Welcome to the Better Births, Better Babies podcast, where we help you reclaim the confidence and assurance that you need to thrive in motherhood. On this podcast, we're having authentic conversations among sisters and friends about raising our babies, because we believe life is fuller and more rich when you live and learn in community. So grab your earbuds and some coffee and listen while you tackle your to-do list. Let's get started. Hey y'all, Angela here. I am sitting at the kitchen table with Sarah and we wanted to discuss breastfeeding for this episode. So there are a lot of things that we could talk about with breastfeeding, but specifically today we want to have a discussion about um, the difference or the definition, I guess, of fore milk and hind milk. So this is something that recently came up for Sarah as she was taking a meal to a family who had just had a new baby. And when she shared with the mom that she was a lactation consultant and a NICU nurse, the mom asked her some questions. So we thought it'd be a really good opportunity just to kind of discuss some different things that Sarah knows from working in the NICU, but also from her own breastfeeding journey, as well as some things that uh, have been she's read or that we've both read through the La Leche League International as well as the Womanly Art of Breastfeeding, which I believe was published right by the La Leche League. So we um, will link to this article that we're talking about and also link to that book in the show notes. But we're gonna go ahead and jump in and get started. So first of all, Sarah, if you can kind of tell us like what is for milk and hind milk like what's it defined as and why is it a topic of discussion when it comes to breastfeeding yeah so for milk and hind milk um for milk they are for milk is the first milk that comes out um, kind of where it got its name from and hind milk is the last milk that comes out um and so i there's an a stigma or just a definition that's kind of been attached to both is what comes out first is lower in fat and what comes out last is higher in fat. Um, and I think a lot of that is quite possibly there is some truth to that. Um, I don't think it's fair to dispel all of that, but I think the conversation that we kind of want to have today has a little bit more to do with um, how to not alter your whole entire practice of breastfeeding just for the sake of fore milk versus hind milk because every woman's body is very very different and so um the milk content is essentially the same at the beginning and at the end of a feed or can be I should say yeah what I thought was really interesting about this article that we're looking at from the La Leche League is that their stance basically is that they just want to clarify that breasts produce one type of milk Mm. that like a breast does not have two completely distinct types of milk Mm -hmm. that come out during certain times in a feed, but that it's all the same milk your body produces, Mm -hmm. um, is intuitive enough to produce what your baby needs and how your baby needs it. But also acknowledging that there is a difference in the fat content because of how milk is stored in the breast. So do you want to talk a little bit about basically like how 
the milk is made Mm -hmm. and why there's a difference in fat content? Yeah, so actually um, I just recently um, took my test and took some classes um, and I'm waiting to hear back on my results for my um, IBCLC, which is an international board certified lactation consultant. But something that's very fascinating that's come out in the last year is for a long time we thought that breast tissue had milk globules in it very similar to lung tissue and it has kind of like that what they would call sacs or little round balloons that would fill with milk and what's really cool is more recently they have found that it's what it more so looks like is to me and pictures it looks like all the little tubes that you'd see at McDonald's or like that kids climb through. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the tubes then end up, end up meeting and making contact with your, your blood supply. And so a lot of the nutrients gets there and is created around the edges of these tubules and they're filled with fluid. And so what comes out first is all of that easy flowing central liquid and what kind of sticks around on the edges of those tubes is the higher fat stuff that still is there and wanting to come out, but it just sometimes can come out towards the end for some women. So that's kind of where you get the idea or even the truthfulness that there is higher fat milk that comes out later. And a lot of times too, baby's behavior, I've seen it in my own daughter where it's like at the end of the feed, as she's getting older, she's a fast feeder, um, which I think is another thing that affects this, um, long feeders versus fast feeders, but she's always eaten very quickly. And so I don't think she's understood that like some of that good ice cream milk is like sitting in there at the very end and there's not a lot of it, but if she sits around and is willing to like snack, Mm -hmm. that's what's going to come out is that really sweet, really high fat milk that can hold hunger off a little bit longer, honestly. So it's kind of where a lot of this, the kind of, yeah, just explains the physiology behind it. Okay. Yeah. That's really helpful. So another question that I had based on kind of what I was reading here is that near the nipple, any milk that was essentially like not consumed in the previous feed, it just kind of sits there Mm-hmm. and waits for the next time that the mm-hmm. baby feeds. So if your baby is drinking, 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 and doesn't necessarily like get into the hind milk, but consumed all of the milk, does the hind milk just sit there? Or over time, does it does the process start over again, I guess? And now it's four milk again. Yeah. So we're kind of touching in here on the controversial stuff. So, um, Mm. I'm sure a lot, my favorite, I'm sure like, so the answer to your question is what is to be thought based on current research as of today is yes. Whatever is pulled down to the nipple right there at the base is what stays there for the next feed. So I think that the reason why this is controversial is because I think for a very, I don't think I know for a very long time is everyone thought that women have very similar feeding cycles. It's an every two to three hour event. And when a baby latches, what comes down first is form milk and what they will get at the end is hind milk. And we're learning now, which it would only be logical because how many size breasts do we have? <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's like, yes, to, to know that like some women have a higher capacity for storage than other women. Okay. So like some milk has got to travel further to the nipple than other milk, but 
babies kind of come out very similar sized. They both, they all pretty much have a similar stomach, you know? So a woman with an A breast that's very engorged with milk versus a woman with, with a G breast that's very engorged with milk. Who do you think is going to get the high fat milk first? Um, the smaller. <laughs> you would think that. And sometimes it does and doesn't work that way. Sometimes women with small breasts actually have a very high storage capacity. And a lot of it has to do with how many milk ducts that you have as well as how big your breasts are. So I think all of these... So are milk ducts like teeth where it's like you have X amount? Yeah. And everybody has the same amount. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. So a lot of women, you have about eight or nine, well, they say like eight to 12 actual like holes at the end of your nipple that milk come out of. So they all feed into those same amount of like pores. Yeah. I will say that's one thing that um, with babysitting or us living together, watching moms use like a haka pump or something like I always just assumed that the milk came out like straightforward out the nipple one stream but no it comes out every which way which is just really funny to me so anyway I have um never lactated and I'm not currently lactating so there's just been a lot of things that I've learned um living with a lactating person so anywho For all my non-lactating ladies out there. Okay, so moving on a little bit, I guess, you know, kind of the reason why I think in my experience, I've heard this come up with friends or other moms, is typically it's like a pooping issue or like a comfort issue with the baby. So baby is cranky, like belly's probably upset, they're sending some hunger cues pretty quickly after eating, or they are kind of like stooling out or having like just different colored stools that are not necessarily considered healthy for a breastfeeding infant. So do you kind of want to just, I don't know, maybe talk a little bit about troubleshooting, Mm -hmm. I guess, um, when it comes to breastfeeding as it relates to fore milk and hind milk. I know you've seen a lot of that in the NICU and have even talked a little bit about just things that NICU moms can do um, and ways that NICU moms can prepare to exclusively breastfeed. But anyway, I know I just asked a lot of questions, but whatever you yeah. want to grab out of there. Yeah. So let me start. You started with something that is really important that I think affects a lot of moms at home in a very, like, moms are not aware of it, but mm-hmm. it makes their life harder. And that would be kind of more in the direction of oversupply. Okay. Um, so we can talk about that first. That's actually less common. Um, so I don't want to like throw these words around and have you self-diagnose, but I think it's really important because an oversupply can give you the results of kind of the, an angry colicky baby, but kind of out the other direction. So they're not puking like a colic yeah. baby would. Everything is more so stomach down to butthole. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times it has to do with an oversupply. And so I think that, yeah, this is common but not as common. I don't know how to explain it besides the fact that, like, it – I believe – 
my speculation is that it's been an issue created by the pump coming into play mm-hmm. um, because we're not just allowing the baby to be the one that's telling our bodies to make milk. We're yeah. using the baby and the pump. So it creates what we call an oversupply where the body is ramping up. But when that happens, the body's making a lot of four milk mm-hmm. and four milk is really, really high in lactose. And so the problem with lactose is if a baby's intestines don't get that balance of high butter fat milk and high like more watery lactose milk that has high sugar that gives them the energy they need that combination to really help their gut out they need that lighter milk to be followed by the heavy milk to kind of calm their intestines down and so if they're only getting that lighter milk because you're pumping and you're activating that milk supply then their bodies and their stomachs are just kind of crampy and achy and gassy stools can be green and watery um And yeah, you might just have what you would call a really angry, gassy baby. And the one thing, if your stools are kind of turning green, I would definitely kind of lean in this direction of troubleshooting. And so some things that are important in that regards is to just try to reduce your pumping as much as you can and kind of pull back on trying to make tell your body that there's maybe twins out there. Just Mm -hmm. think your breasts don't have a brain. So like... They don't know what's going on. It's milk is purely supply and demand. And if you make too much of that for milk, then, you know, there can be some issues there. So what I also say with that one is try to have baby go back on the same breast that they ended on the last time. Because like we said, that for milk, whatever's in the nipple is still in the nipple at the beginning of the next feed. So try to empty one breast out completely um, and... That way the baby is getting that higher fat milk to balance the lighter, more watery, lactase high milk. So that's the big, like, that's what you're talking about with the oversupply, gut issues, problems. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, that's just typically, like, I think that is when, that's when, like, we get the phone calls, you know? Right. Like, things are happening, like, the baby is showing signs and symptoms of something, and mom's just trying to figure it right. out. And so they're explaining everything. And it sounds really similar to, I think, what this La Leche League article is talking about. Where there's signs of discomfort. You know, kind of like weird colored mm-hmm. poops. Different things like that. Maybe not gaining weight appropriately. Um, just different things where, like, I guess I'm just bringing up the point that that is typically when someone reaches out to one of us and or even to Hannah and is like, hey, what do you think is going on? Right. So I think that's good just to acknowledge to say, like, if you are just the average everyday breastfeeding mom of a newborn, then if you start to see those things happening... Yes. You know. And what I think is hard here, too, is that, like, you know it's not... It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel bad enough to go be seen by a doctor... You just have a cranky baby. You don't really know how to put the pieces together. And that's okay. But I think another hard thing is those signs can also make you feel like you're not feeding your baby enough. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really tempting to put the baby back on the breast and think their stomach hurts. They they just fell asleep 20 minutes ago and they're waking up again and again and again. And it's like they could be eating too much milk. Like that sounds yeah. like crazy to think about. But like they – and you really have to look for all of those other signs. Um And so there is that level of like, how do I sue the baby without putting them on the breast? And as long as they're pooping, that's where it's like, you want to look at the color of the poops and some of those other things where it's like, eh, 
something's going flying right through them, you mm-hmm. know, and like it's coming out green. Yeah, basically at this age, which we're kind of talking about the first maybe like six to 12 weeks, mm-hmm. if it's not just like straight looks like mustard, then... It's going green, then yeah. typically, yeah, green af- is never really normal. It's always kind of a question mark of something you need to start problem solving. Mm-hmm. It could be oversupply, it could be um, a, a lack of you know, tolerance to something you have in your diet. But, um, yeah. So before we move on, what would you say are some good tips for soothing a baby without putting them on the breast? If you've been, because if you've been diagnosed with like an oversupply issue or talk to a lactation consultant and know that like the answer is to stop putting the baby on the breast as often so that you can reduce your oversupply. oversupply a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to put a little plug in here. Like a lot of this stuff is what you can find in our community. Um, And we really walk you through a lot of this of how to soothe babies that have discomfort in different ways. But um, this is a one exception where I would say because a baby is in pain, babies desire to suck when they're hurting. And so if you as mom sometimes know better because you're the adult, you have the information, you're putting the pieces together for a child. Um, I think it's hard for pro breastfeeders who are really gung-ho about it to introduce the pacifier, but this is a scenario where I would see, say it it really is helpful. Yeah, It's helpful to give the baby that oral stimulation that they're looking for to go back to sleep and to be comforted because their tummy hurts. Um, but you just need to make sure that you're assessing their latch and how well they're doing at breastfeeding the next time you do it. And if that is causing problems then the pacifier is not a great option. I would go for um, some a warm hand, steady hand on the belly. They love to lay pressure on their stomach, so across your lap on their stomachs. Um, movement, bouncing, shushing. Yeah, all of that stuff is great. Um, one other thing I just wanted to kind of go back and address that yes, for sure. this like is typically brought up and that's kind of where I ended with this mom or started with this mom that you mentioned in the beginning. Like, it was brought up for her because baby lost an incredible amount of weight in the first like week. So dropped 12 pound, 12% of her body weight from birth. Um, and the doctors and nurses were like, if you can give her hind milk, that's great. If she's not latching, you know, pump and, you know, just, just giving her a lot of mixed things. And then mentioning four milk and hind milk, bless her heart. She's a new mom. She doesn't know she didn't even know what breastfeeding was, and now she's learning about all of this. Yeah, for and sure. so I just think it's important to know that um, hind milk does have higher fat, but if you're going to stim, she was stimulating her body to pull that hind milk forward urgently because she thought that was the solution to her baby gaining weight. Right, and in the process, like we literally just talked about oversupply, she's going to risk putting herself into a place of having so much milk yeah. and copious amounts of milk that her baby might have stomach issues. And I think that's a big thing that's starting to happen is doctors are very concerned when babies lose that eight, nine, 10, 11% of body weight. They're like, especially in the first week. Or oh so. yeah. Yeah. They're, t- they're talking about this four milk, hind milk thing. And moms are like, Oh, the hind milk's at the end. So I need to put my pump on and I need to start pumping the four milk off and then feeding the hind milk. You're telling your body you have twins. And so, well, and it kind of seems like there's no defined amount of time. And correct. so you could pump for 20 minutes and put the baby on the breast and think that you've gotten the hind milk, but like right. ultimately 
you don't know. Because what you're then saying is, hey, body, this baby feeds for 40 minutes Mm -hmm. each time. Yep. And really, they only fed for 20. Right. You know? So So there's a lot of that. If I had to make a suggestion in this whole mix of a sometimes what feels like a mess, I always say, unless your baby is like literally starved and has not had any milk transfer at all, like put your baby on the breast at the beginning of every feed every time they're hungry. Babies need to learn that breast milk is slow to start flowing, and once it starts flowing, it goes quickly. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end, if you really want to get that hind milk off, let them feed all the way and then pump after on the breast that they just fed on. And you will pull off maybe half an ounce or maybe not even that, maybe just a little bit. But then you know what kind of milk is that? It's high fat. Because you know that they just pulled everything off and whatever little drips you could get back out of that is going to be typically higher fat um, if your breast is pretty empty at that point. And I think if weight is a concern, then you take that high fat milk and you put it in a cup or a syringe or a bottle and you give it to them and you finish them off if you really want to make sure that they're putting that weight back on. So that's where like we get a, there's a lot of discussion about fore milk and hind milk. Right. Just in general is a weight loss and it's brought up and then moms are confused and they don't know how their anatomy works and they're mixing it all up. And even some moms make more hind milk at the end of the day. Their bodies just naturally do that. And so they might get, baby might get fore milk most of the morning and hind milk most of the afternoon because that's just how your breasts work. So it's really important not to do all these crazy pumping tricks because your body, you just don't really know what you're able to offer your baby. So that makes sense. Well, kind of wrapping this part up, if you are listening and you're thinking to yourself, like, I have no idea if my baby is telling me that it's starving or its stomach hurts or it needs to poop or whatever. Um, as Sarah mentioned, we do have courses inside the better births, better babies community on reading your baby's cues and assessing your baby's pain, different things like that. So if you want to check that out, go head over to betterbirthsbetterbabies.com. And um, currently we are giving everybody the first 14 days free. So before we wrap up, I think the last thing I'd like to talk about just from your experience as um, a NICU nurse, what would you say to the NICU mom Like, what would her best practices be for pumping since she does have a medically compromised baby and isn't necessarily allowed to exclusively breastfeed with the baby on the breast and she doesn't have a choice but to also pump? What would your, I guess, like best tips and best practices be for just the best chance at Number one, grabbing some hind milk off because it's really important, you know, at this Mm -hmm. stage in a NICU baby's life to be able to gain weight. But also number two, not be engorged and have this massive oversupply of milk um, without being to actually, without being able to actually put the baby on the breast as well. So what would you say there? So I would first off say that I learned a lot of things that would ultimately have kind of corrected my practice actively as a nurse in the NICU. Granted, I'm not a dietitian. I do not get to determine what babies eat and don't eat, but... And you weren't a lactation consultant And I was not a lactation consultant at the time, but... And I was not employed as one, but I would say... There, at the hospital. But I would say that, like, number one, 
I would do some digging to find a lactation consultant that is really up to date on um, mom's milk production as it relates to premature infants. There's a lot that is coming out that really shows the body's amazing ability to compromise for the fact that it just had a premature infant and mm-hmm. create more of exactly what your baby needs in your milk. Um, that is not readily practiced even at the most cutting edge NICUs. Um, what, what we trust the most right now is breast milk mixed with milk fortifier, which is essentially just a very concentrated type of formula. And I, you know, there's still a level of uncomfortability with a shelf stable product that's being added to breast milk. It's definitely a, still a phenomenal thing. There's, there's nothing that takes that giving that to your baby away. However, I do want to put out there that I did work in a NIC, one NICU that I worked in was really, really receptive to moms working with more of hind milk thing. So essentially what you do is you do your whole full pump session, but they would tell you that they want you to pump for three minutes, four minutes, and then take that milk, put it in another bag, keep it at your house or freeze it and bring in the hind milk. So if you feel like they're pushing milk fortifier you don't really want it. You would like your baby to exclusively be receiving breast milk. I would highly encourage you to number one, get in contact with a lactation consultant that can give you really up-to-date research. So you can offer that to your doctors that probably will be resistant. Um, just because they don't have time to do the research on all of this, which is fine. They're busy people. Um, But number two, I would highly encourage you to recommend foreign milk versus hind milk. There's a lot more out there in OB or NICU doctors are a lot more willing and receptive to the concept of feeding baby the higher fat, higher calorie milk that probably levels out at a few more calories per ounce than the full rounded milk. Just get informed, more informed Mm -hmm. even than we can do on this episode on four milk kind of milk and bring that as a suggestion to Absolutely. your baby's doctor. Yes. yes. And doctors, I think that like, it's very important. And I could say this from working for a, quite a few years in the hospital that like we, a lot of healthcare professionals are very receptive to new and different and research and cutting edge. But again, we, a lot of families that recommend or want something different than what we are providing don't often have information and education and research to back that. Mm-hmm. So I would highly encourage you guys, if you ever find yourself in the NICU, if your baby under, ever ends up with RSV and you have to take it into the hospital and they're concerned about calories, like if you want exclusive breast milk or you want something different than what is being offered, you need to back what you're saying with research because... That's how it works. They're trying to make sure your kid is well taken care of, and it can be a really difficult position to be in. Yeah, for so sure. For I sure. don't want to go too much into that, but no, I think that's great. Well, that's all the time that we have for this episode. Um, as I said before, we were discussing an article specifically from the La Leche League International, which we will link to in the show notes, as well as some things that we had learned from reading The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding. Um, and another great resource. Another thing I just wanted to put in a plug for the Le Leche League. It's a really awesome resource and breastfeeding success is better. They, we know it's better when you have, you know, resources and when you feel well supported. So the Le Leche League has a ton of support groups that meet in person. Um, and their, 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 um, company is really an awesome place to get up to date information about 
breast milk and all yeah, of it. That's so. awesome. And another thing that we'll link to is just some resources that you can use to even find a lactation consultant in your area um, and different things that could be helpful and supportive for your breastfeeding journey. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we, yeah, we're happy to be able to chat with you. Hey y'all, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. We would love to meet you inside our community. So head on over to betterbirthsbetterbabies.com to join. You'll immediately be welcomed into an amazing group of like-minded mamas and you'll be inspired and encouraged in your own motherhood journey. We'll see you there.